Well, good morning. How are you all this morning? Uh, ready for a nap? Yeah, me too. <laughs> it was a long day already, but it's a good day. Well, thank you all for, for being here today. You know, it was, it's good to, to come together and to gather and to sing praises to God. You know, and just to open up his word and to study it. You know, today, as, as we start uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, it is, it's, a, it's a great joy, but it's also a very hard chapter. You know, in it, we see even more mocking of our Lord Jesus. You know, we see how others saw him and their perceptions. And we see him being beaten and killed. And what do we see? And what, do, what do we see when we look at Jesus? We see a man that is different than any other man in all of history. And I think even from this chapter alone, we can say that just by his death, we can attest that Jesus is different. He was different and he is different. He died because he planned to. It was his mission, his passion, to come and to deal with sin and death, which is the issue, right? All other things that we see are just the outflow of sin and death, the, the symptoms of the problem. In the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord says this to Peter after he cut off uh, Malchus's ear. He said, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will not at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? You know, there's a lot of books out there on Jesus, right? You know, some say, oh, he's a, he's a clueless rebel. He's a clueless wannabe rabbi. No, no way. He was and is and forever will be the son of God who's come to serve and save and be a ransom for all of humanity. <clears throat> and we saw at the end of chapter 18 in the Gospel of John that Pilate had found no guilt in him, right? Because he is the blameless one. He is the truth, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What, what does it mean for Jesus to be the truth? Well, he is then very embodiment. He is the word, the logos, as it is in the Greek. He is truth. And Pilate had asked the Jews if they wanted to release Jesus, and they cried out for Barabbas, a murderer, a robber, an insurrectionist. You know, I had asked last week, do, do any of you like being misled? Right, that was the, that was a question. No, no hands. Oh yeah, I, I I love it. Right, I love being misled. And we don't like it. Well, the question of the week is, do we like the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Who's here has seen a few good men? Yeah, right. I love that movie. I actually showed Hannah the trial, of the court scene when it when Tom Cruise, you know, gets him and everything. It's it's awesome. Sorry, spoiler alert. It was made in 92, so I can, we can talk about that one, right? <laughs> um, you know, what do, we, what, do we want the whole truth? Can, can we handle it? 
I love Jack Nicholson. Um, you know, we live in a day where truth is, is relative. It is whatever you want it to be. But reality doesn't work like that. Reality is reality, and there is nothing we can change about that. But as we see in the text before us today, people will say anything, people will do anything to get away from truth. Because in the grand scheme of things throughout the entirety of the biblical text, we have believed in a lie. Paul says it, uh, sums it up pretty much for us in the book of Romans. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. Now this is, this is why wrath is here. This is why judgment is here because we have suppressed the truth. We, we hide it. We kill it. We mock it. We rebel against it. We suppress what is plain about God. If you're not doing anything at, at 9 o'clock next Sunday, join us for the next part of the Truth Project because it's all about science. And everything, it's, it's amazing uh, just the amount of information that, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. Just looking at creation for a time. And then, yeah, join us for the next part of it, too. It's, it's really good. And we suppress what is plain about God and sin and death and heaven and hell and judgment and more. But thanks be to God. And I think the two coolest words in the Bible are, but God. Right? You know, oh, this is happening. Huge paragraphs. But God, that changes everything. He has come to redeem us from our broken estate. Now let's uh, start with a word of prayer. Now, Father God, we, we thank you for today. We pray for all of those dealing with just a multitude of sicknesses, just everything going on around. Right now, we just pray for those that have lost loved ones and pray for people's healing. Pray for, for doctors and nurses and just uh, everyone, even down at the nursing home, just working day in and day out to, to help people. We just pray and uplift all of them to you, Lord. We just thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that you, you deal with us in truth. You, your son brought truth, but he also brought grace. And we thank you for that, Lord. And just uh, be with us in this time as we open up your word and help us learn from it. Help us study and help us grow to know you more, to be renewed in our minds, to be, to be transformed and changed more and more into the likeness of your son. Thank you for that, Lord. So in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, please uh, turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. And we will read uh, verses 1 through 5. John records this. 
And then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. Now the Jews did not want their king. They rejected him. They cried out for another. They cried out for Barabbas. So Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Now, he didn't personally do this. Governors didn't do that, but he ordered it to happen. It was in his stead. According to the Gospel of Luke, Pilate did this. For nothing deserving death has been done to him. I will therefore punish and release him. And see, Pilate was in this time trying to please the crowd, but he also wanted to release Jesus. But Jesus had said that this was going to take place to his followers. If you want to turn over in your Bibles with me to Mark, Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> and we'll read uh, verses 33 and 34. And Jesus says this, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days he will rise. Now all through, even since the beginning of looking at the garden, Jesus knows what is coming. And now the, the flogging is to come and more mocking, and Jesus was scourged. The note in the ESV states this. This is a Roman judicial penalty consisting of a severe beating with multi-lash whips containing embedded pieces of bone and metal. Uh, Mel Gibson does do a, a portrayal of this in The Passion of Christ, where the cat of nine tails is seen. That's how they looked historically. Now, the Lord knew what was coming. It had been a part of the plan for ages. Isaiah records this. I feel like we've kept on coming back to this verse throughout the time as we see him coming to the cross. But it's, it's the plan. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. After the Lord was beaten, after his flesh was torn open, the soldiers twisted together a crown and they mockingly placed this crown upon Jesus' head. They placed a royal purple robe on him and this was the, the whole battalion, according to Matthew and Mark. The whole battalion gathered to do this and hailed him. Uh, they bowed before him and hit him. You know, in this mission for the very souls of humanity, Jesus was 
willing to be pierced, crushed, and beaten and wounded, to take away our transgressions, to, to spare us from our iniquities and to bring us peace and to heal us. The soldiers were just punching the clock. They had done their job and, and Romans would have dealt with any claiming the claims of Jesus in this way, mocking and reviling all of them. But this was the Lord of glory come to forgive each of those that had rebelled against him, who spit on him, who mocked him, who wounded him. After this, Jesus is, is called out with the crown of thorns upon him and the purple robe draped around him. Pilate said this to the crowd, Behold the man. As they should have, right? From arrest to trial to being scourged, Jesus has not reviled his enemies. He has not spoken evil of them. They should have beheld him. We, we should behold him, for he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is not one to be mocked but to be kissed, honored, and praised. But the, the world and the crowd and the leaders wanted the truth to be killed. They wanted this man whom they should have beheld be put to death. If you turn back to John 19, we'll continue. <clears throat> Verses 6 through 11 record this. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from but Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you will, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who has delivered me over to you has the greater sin. You know, the, the crowd, the leaders, the officers all saw the man, but they did not behold him. They instead cried out, crucify, crucify him. They noted Jesus. They observed him and they immediately wanted him dead. Pilate responds to this, you, you take him and you crucify him yourselves for I find no guilt in him. This is an innocent man. He is He's blameless. The Jews answered him according to our law. One who makes himself the son of God is to die. The law does state this. The law states this in Leviticus. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. And all the congregation shall stone him. The sojourners as well as the natives when he blasphemes the name shall be put to death. You know, and there's record of this in the Gospels. The leaders of Israel, when they had heard Jesus, heard what he said, were immediately against it, for it was blasphemy in their understanding. 
In John 10, it records this interaction between Jesus and the leaders. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him, so they had tried before as well as this time. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you, oh, excuse me, I have shown you many good works from the Father. Which of them are you going to stone me? For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. You know, so many people throughout history, even today, uh, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, if you look at the context of the scriptures, the Jews clearly, it's interesting, the enemies of God, the Jews and the demons in the, in the time period of the first century clearly understood this is the Son of God. Every, every demon that he exercises, he has to oh, sh you know, keep it quiet, right? The Jews, the Jews clearly understood who Jesus was claiming to be. He was claiming to be God. As we see, they believe they are dealing with a misleader, one who has misled the crowds. From the beginning, they have been against him. So when Pilate had heard this from them, states that he was even more afraid. That brings up a question, you know, why is a, why is a governor with a battalion of troops afraid? And the claim of Jesus to, to be the son of God most likely would have, to Roman ears, been an affront to Caesar's claim to be the son of God. But fear would not be the response. Well, the Gospel of Matthew gives us some insight here. He records this. For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word of him. Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. And Pilate knew enough of Jesus, his works, his wonders, his teaching, his, his draw of the crowds. That he knew that it was out of envy that the leaders had delivered Jesus to him. Well, now this, this word had come from Pilate's wife. Don't have anything to do with this righteous man. And she had had a dream that bothered her the whole day. So how does it how does it connect? Well, there's there's no more information, right? Well, we don't we don't know, but it, it bothered her enough to send word to her husband. You know, dreams are a huge thing in the pagan world. Uh, just just read Herodotus if you're bored. You know, it's a good book. <laughs> but it bothered her enough. So Pilate feared something was different with this man, this, this righteous one, this blameless teacher who claims to be the son of God. Maybe he wondered, who is this man? Why is he so different? Pilate calls Jesus back in and says, where are you from? And questioning him again. Jesus did not answer. So Pilate goes on, will you not speak to me? Do you not understand that I have power to release you or crucify you? Well, Jesus answers Pilate then. He says, you would have no authority unless it was given to you from above. Therefore, the one who gave me over to you has the greater sin. I think even in this conversation, you know, we understand that Jesus knows Pilate, right? He knows all of our hearts. He knows all of the hearts of humanity throughout all of history. And he knows that Pilate wanted to do the right thing 
release the Lord. But he also understands, you know, Pilate's you know, predicament that if this were to take place, there would be a riot. And rioting is a great danger in the Roman world. It's actually um, most, most riots were put down quite severely. And uh, a lot of uh, people were crucified throughout the Roman world because of those riots. Now this let Pilate know you will not have innocent blood on your hands. That those that have rejected their king will see the one that they have pierced. When Pilate tells the crowd he is innocent of this man's blood, they respond like this in Matthew. And all the peoples answered his blood be on us and all of our children. I see they, they willingly rejected the Lord and they willingly went through Pilate to bring him to death. When Jesus tells Pilate that he alone has the authority and that he only has the authority because it is given to him brings us to the truth that you know, all governors, all kings, all presidents, emperors, all those in authority in any kind of position only have it because the Lord has given it to them. You know, Paul says it like this in Romans 13, that they have been instituted by God, that they are servants or agents of God. I, I feel like this is you know, something that the world has forgotten, right? You know, that the church needs to start reminding people more and more, even, even any form of government is accountable to the Lord. That they are actually supposed to be servants of good and will face judgment upon their misuse of power. But John goes on in verses 12 through 16, recording this in chapter 19. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought out Jesus and sat down at the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic, Garbarath. <clears throat> now it is the sixth day, now it is the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered them over to them to be crucified. The Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. He knew the Jew, what the Jews were up to. He wanted to release Jesus. But the crowd said, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And this was the thought of the leadership of the Jews at the time. Now, Jesus was this self-made king, this false teacher, this one misleading the people. And they also understood that Pilate, being a Roman governor of a province, needed to honor Caesar. And releasing another king would not do that. For this king is against Caesar. And releasing him, that king would stand in the way of what Caesar's rule would do. He would take the people another way. Now at this point, it was the end of the matter. 
Pilate brought Jesus out and sat down in his judgment seat. And he says another, behold, right? Behold the man. And then he says, behold your king. The response was this, away with him, crucify him, they screamed. The Pilate asked, and I feel like this is almost, you know, mockingly, jestingly, shall I crucify your king? And they answered, we have no king but Caesar. You know, they would take a ruler of the world rather than the king of old. Now, if you go back to Samuel, that's exactly what the Jews did in Samuel's day, right? You know, they cried out, we want to be like all the other nations. We want a king. We, we want to be like those around us. Isn't that a problem with, with the church as well, right? We want to be like all the cool kids, right? We want to do everything that the world's doing. It's like if we reject his ways, if we reject him, what do we get? You know, they would rather be slaves to sin and Caesar than deal with the reality of truth and grace given to them by Jesus. The one they should behold the man, the king who comes for even those that reject him. Now please turn with me in your Bibles to, to Romans chapter 3. In verses 21 through 26, Paul states this. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as the propitiation, the covering by his blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith. And Jesus. Such a, a beautiful passage, right? Well, we, we know Romans 3.23, right? <laughs> that's, that's the one we memorize. The context is key. You know, the crowd that cried for his death, the leaders that opposed him, the soldiers that mocked him, the murderer on, on death row, us and the pews, the, the, the preacher in the pulpit, the good, the bad, the ugly, all need to know this. We have all sinned. There is no distinction. Now that's the bad news. That's the bad rap of Christianity, right? It's, oh man, you guys are so eh, little sinners. Really? Who wants to know that? Especially on a Sunday morning where there's potluck getting ready. But then there's good news. Right? The good news that there is no distinction here as well. We are all justified by his grace. His gift no matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what has happened to you, you can be justified by the justifier, Jesus, the Christ. The crowd, the leaders, the world show us this. Through pride, envy, power, and hate, 
you can go a long way. You know, it makes us ask the question of, of this whole passage, you know, why did they kill the Lord? Or even why didn't someone else stop it? And we can ask the same question of our, of our world today. Why doesn't anybody listen to the truth? To what reality is, even as we saw today about science, right? <laughs> you got to believe that it's not designed, but I mean, I can look at a starfish and see the glory of God or how water boils. But other people, oh, it just happened. It's like, and we question you, know, why is there so much madness in crowds today? Well, the Bible has really good answers. And please turn to Psalm 2 with me. In Psalm 2, the author states this. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in desertion. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury and say, saying, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy, holy hill. And I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like potter's vessels. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Even from that first verse, right, we see even in David's day, the world raged. People plotted in vain. You know, we look at the world today and we see that people search and seek and even scream out for meaning anywhere but God. We believe that throwing away anything that the Lord has given us will bring us freedom somehow, right? But it will only bring chaos, disorder, and madness. And turn on the nightly news and uh, what is wrong with our world? It comes, it stems from one thing, the rejection of God. Our plans and our passions, our wants take us wayward. Isaiah states this, we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I'm glad the verse doesn't end right there, right? It states this, after that, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our, our plans ruin us, but the Lord's plans redeem us. Because on his hill upon Zion, his king will rule his Messiah. His anointed one will establish his kingdom forever. And those against him will be destroyed. 
but those that take refuge in him will be blessed forevermore. Now here and now is where we make the choice. Do we behold the man? Do we behold the Messiah, the king? Or do we rebel? Do we reject and, and mock on him? Now, chapter 19 is, is hard, right? Well, why is it hard? Because the perfect one is being destroyed, stripped down, ripped apart. Well, why? Because of my sin. Because of everything that encroaches upon a relationship with a holy God, Jesus covers that. The, the bridge illustration, you ever, you ever see that? Right? The, the gap between God and humanity is so large, you could never jump it. With million, right? billions and billions of years of time, time is like a magic wand for the evolutionist. You could try and think about that, about religion. If I had more time, if you look at religious systems in the East, oh yeah, you'll have plenty of time, maybe. I mean, I don't know how you're going to work off karma with being a goat, munching the right grass, right? Yeah, I don't know. But Christianity deals with the reality of this huge gap that no other religion can, can fathom, can even try and get across. It is through relationship with the king that bridged the gap. You know, we should know this. The one person that could have stopped all events was right in the middle of it, taking it. He was being beaten and mocked and scourged because he came for rebels. He came for those lost. He came for the misguided. He came for the broken, the wayward. He came for all of humanity. He came to die. That man no more may die. Now this is his zeal, right? You go and read John 17 verses 1 through 3 and it's, it's the glory of God, right? Glorify me, Lord, in this hour that I may glorify you and bring redemption to humanity. That's the mission. Now Jesus willingly goes to the cross and as Pilate delivers him over, he goes to deliver humanity from sin and death. How, how amazing and wonderful is that? Well, let's, uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, we, we praise you for your grace and truth. We, we praise you that and by your, your grace, there's, there's choice. You don't, you don't want automatons. You don't want robots praising you. You want willing souls that, that turn and repent from sin and, and understand that you are the Lord of glory. You are the author of life, the sustainer of all, and you came for us. And we love you because you first loved us, and how amazingly cool is that? That you bridged the gap you made a way that the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. May we know that you are the just one, you are holy, true, and good, and that we can't approach you in and of ourselves, but in Jesus, in our hideaway, we can come 
covered by his blood, covered by his atoning work, and, and know that we can be in your presence forevermore, Lord. Thank you for that. Lord, I, I pray for our understanding in that, that we can rest in the justifier. I pray that as we do that, that's the first step. Lord, I pray that those that are dealing with issues in life, that as after they've been justified, that they would also walk in sanctification, that yes, we fall, we mess up, but Lord, you are there. Help us deal with our sins. Help us, help us walk in life for your glory. You know, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, that we can live life to the full by worshiping you and knowing you. And Lord, just help us await that eternal glory. Help us patiently wait in a world that is full of madness, pointing to you, praising you, living for you. And that we would just hope in you. Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for this time together in your word and in song. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.